through a series right now called Good Trees, and I want to kind of set up what we're, what we're talking about, kind of the motivation for this series and what, what we've got going on with this series and why we've got this name, Good Trees, because it's kind of a little bit weird. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, is kind of the, the motivation behind while we're doing this series. And it says this, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Right now is a great time of year to kind of see this principle in action in nature, in the world God created. If you drive throughout the countryside, you'll see a lot of trees that are just loaded with apples this year. Even a lot of the old, you know, the old trees that, that don't normally produce a lot of fruit are just loaded with apples. You know, branches are breaking under the weight of the fruit this year. So make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You don't walk up to a, an apple tree and say, hey, hey, look at that peach. You know, a tree is recognized by its fruit. And Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day and he's, he goes on and he gives them this warm, inviting response. One of his nicknames for them was brood of vipers. So he says, hey, you brood of vipers. I don't think Jesus was being sarcastic. I think he was being pretty literal. Brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of? There was a lot of corruption and the religious leadership that when Jesus was walking and so he was speaking directly to them and saying, how can you who are evil say anything that is good? You're full of evil, so that's what's gonna come out. Verse 35, a good man brings good things from the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So he's saying, if you're evil on the inside, that's what's going to eventually come out. If you're good on the inside, that's what's going to come out. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So we want to be good trees. We want to be trees that are good on the inside so that they produce good fruit on the outside. So what does that take then to become a good tree? That's the motivation for it, but then what does that mean? How do we become good trees? Well, the key passage we've been using for this series comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. So that's where we'll be spending most of our time today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to pull those out. If you don't, there's a free Bible app you can download on your phone and you can go there, uh, go to the app store and, and just look up the word Bible or the word version, and you'll get to this app and you can go look up this passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's power has granted, has given, has gifted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be good trees that produce good fruit, then these are the qualities that we need to have in our lives and they need to be increasing, and this is how we will produce the fruit that will last. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that kind of post-log, with that kind of you know, set of verses that comes after these qualities, I think it's probably pretty important that we really hone in on these qualities and make sure that they are a part of our lives and that they are increasing and measure. So that's why we've been focusing on them throughout the past several weeks. So we started with the idea of making every effort to supplement your faith. So we have work to do. Yes, there is a lot that has been given to us. God has granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness. But like we talked about last week, God can give you the gift, but you actually have to take it out of the box and use it if you're going to experience the benefits of the gift. So God has given it to us, he has granted it to us, but we have to make the effort to supplement our faith with these qualities. So everything starts with faith in Jesus Christ and we have to get the, the answer to that question right. Do we believe in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay for our sins? He paid that for us on the cross and now our faith is in that work and that relationship with him is what is going to lead us into this eternal kingdom with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we have this effort that we have to make to supplement that faith with Virtue, that's moral excellence, living morally excellent lives. And then we supplement our faith with virtue and knowledge. We have to know the God that we are walking with and serving if we're going to be able to do it the way that he has called us to do it, not the way the world would call us to do it. And last week we talked about self-control. We have to live self-controlled lives. And if we're going to be people who do what God has called us to do, then we have to learn to control ourselves and live up to these qualities. But this week we're talking about perseverance and steadfastness, if you will. The ESV, which is the translation we normally speak from here, uses the word steadfastness. Uh, Other translations will use the word perseverance. Um, And so I wanna kinda just talk through this idea and kinda give some some examples of this. For instance, um, I've had, to, I've had to use some perseverance and steadfastness this week. I don't know what happened, but last Sunday when I got in my car, you know, it was, it's, it's always a little bit warm after, after church on Sunday, so you know, you get in and the first thing you wanna do is roll down the, I got, my air conditioning doesn't work, I need to fix that, but um, you roll down the windows and get the hot air out and then, you know, if you're trying to drive down the freeway and listen to music or or have conversation with your kids or in the back seat, you can't have the windows down because it's too loud, so you roll up the windows and you turn on the fan, right, so that, so that you can get at least a little bit of air moving even though it's warm. Well, when I turned on my fan last Sunday, um, I was flooded with this nasty stench that did not exist in my car the day prior to that. So I am, I'm still not sure what happened, but just this awful smell came flooding out of my car on that Sunday afternoon, and I was forced to shut that thing down and open up the windows so that we could have some fresh air. Now, I was able to kind of to sidestep the problem by, by changing the circulation so there's not air coming in from the outside, and so I think I've isolated the source, but even then, sometimes it's so strong that it comes through that vent being closed off. And so, even though I've had this smelly car all week long, I've persevered and driven it where I needed to go. 
takes perseverance. There's another thing I'm persevering in, and that is my resolve to rid the world of people who drive slow in the passing lane. And so I'm constantly working at helping people realize that if you're in the far left lane and you're going slower than everyone else, then you need to get out of this lane. And so I graciously cut them off and put on my blinker to signal to them, get out of the passing lane. I'm just, I'm doing my part to help the world drive in a better place. By the way, if you drive I-5 North, you'll notice they're repaving the far left lane, which shows you that more people drive in the far left lane than any other lane. That means people think they're driving fast and they're not. So if you're driving in that passing lane and you see my little red car with a 6-8 sticker on it, don't think I'm being mean or a bad driver. I'm just trying to persevere and ridding the world of people who drive slow (laughs) in the fast lane. I'm also steadfast in my desire to convince the world that onions are the food of the devil. And so I want to make sure that, that I take every opportunity and, and use this platform for the things that matter most in life. And that is that you should not be consuming things that smell like onions smell. So, so do yourself a favor. If you have any in your pantry at home, just go throw them in the way. Put them in the trash where they belong. But some of us are, you know, steadfast and persevering in some more serious things, right? Some more important things. We're steadfast and persevering, hopefully, in how we raise our kids. We're trying to raise our kids in the right way. And so hopefully by doing that, you're raising your kids in church and bringing them to church and surrounding them with, with other people who believe what you believe. You know, the, your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. And so the people you are around, the people you're surrounded with are going to have the most influence in your life. So you want to make sure that you and your kids are surrounded by people who are influencing you in the right direction. And that maybe, I know because I've had a lot of conversations, it can be a challenge to get your family ready and here on a Sunday morning. You can ask my wife because she has to get all four of our kids ready every Sunday morning. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's part of the reason why I'm a pastor, so I just don't have to deal with that. (laughs) But if you do it, it's worth it, right? It's worth it to get your kids surrounded by other kids and teachers and learning from from the truth and learning what the truth sounds like. Some of us are persevering in our careers. We're working hard to persevere and be steadfast in your career. You love your job most of the time, and so you try to persevere in it in those times that you don't love it. Or maybe you hate your job, but you know you need to provide for your family, and if you work hard at your job, you're doing a service for your family. You're providing for your family, so it's a good thing to work, and so you keep working at your job. You're persevering in it. And you know, if you keep going to work and you keep working hard and you have this work ethic and you're there when you don't want to be there and you work hard when you don't want to work hard, then that's eventually going to pay off in some way, shape, or form. It's good to work. It's good for us to work hard. So you're persevering through that. I know some of us here are persevering through trials of various sorts right now. You've got loved ones around you who have made bad decisions and you're persevering through, through that bad choice and the repercussions that are affecting their life and your life as you walk with them through these bad decisions that they've made. Maybe someone, you've recently lost someone close to you, you've lost someone who's either moved away or stepped out of your life for one reason or another, maybe even passed on, and and you're walking through that trial, through that valley, you're having to persevere and walk through that. You, You know what it means to persevere. 
Maybe some of you are just going through other family trials or family struggles of different kinds, and, and you're learning what it means to be steadfast in your resolve. I think when it comes to perseverance, we, we kind of have an understanding, a general understanding of what it means to persevere. We have an understanding of what it means to be steadfast in it. But at the same time, we live in a world that has totally neglected the idea and is trying to kick the idea of perseverance out to the curb and walk away from it. We're becoming less and less likely to do the things that require effort from us. We're, we're not as likely to work hard as we maybe used to be. We may even be surrounded by this kind of thinking. If it isn't given to me, or if I have to work too hard for it, well, it's just not worth doing. I can work for a little bit. I can put in a little bit of effort. I can spend a little bit of time. But if I don't see the results right away, like now, I'm done. I'm out. Calling it quits. I'll move on to something else. I don't know if anyone here has ever tried to uh, start a new habit at some point in time, you know, maybe for you know, working out or exercising or eating more healthy or, or you know, getting to work on time or getting to church on time. By the way, it would be a great habit for you to start working on this next Sunday. Um, if you've ever tried to start a new habit, it can be a little bit hard. Like uh, for me, I like to read. That's, that is a true statement. I enjoy, well, that's not quite true. Um, I like the idea of reading. Reading for me has, has always been a little bit of a challenge, but actually probably the most true statement I can make is I like having read, right? Doesn't that feel good when you've read something? Like I read that, I read the whole book cover to cover. My wife is like a speed reader and she can read a 400 page book in about three hours. <laughs> it makes me want to punch her in the face just a little bit, but <laughs> I don't, I, I hold myself back. But, I've tried several times in my life to develop this habit of reading. So I kind of set this goal, I'm gonna read a chapter a day. Seems reasonable, right, you know? And so I, sometimes I'll find books that have like two or three page chapters and then I can feel like I'm winning. But then I get a book that I wanna read and it has longer chapters and I start finding myself cursing at the author. Like, why can't you just make the chapters a little bit shorter because then I could succeed, but they have to make these chapters like 12 pages long and then I find myself struggling and so what I do is I put it off throughout the day, and instead of doing it early in the day when I have the motivation and the energy to do it, I put it off later and later and later and later until it gets to bedtime, and I decide, okay, I need to read my chapter because I'm trying to develop the habit of reading. And so I start reading this book. But I'm a slow reader, and I'm tired, and I'm laying in my bed, and I'm got my head on this nice soft pillow. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself starting to negotiate with myself about how much I'm going to read. Well, maybe, maybe a chapter a day is just too much. I mean, come on, I mean, who reads a chapter out of a book every day? This isn't fiction. I mean, this is like real, this is real books that I'm trying to read here that actually adds something to my life. And so, I can't be half conscious while I'm trying to read these books. I need to be in a good frame of mind and I can't do myself the disservice of forcing myself to read through a chapter and forgetting it all because then that's just a waste. So I don't need to read a chapter a day. Just one section is good enough, right? So I finish the section, I put the book on my nightstand and I leave it there until I pick it up the next time three or four days or weeks or months from now, right? 
that's kind of how a lot of us go through the process of building a new habit, right? We, we see this thing that we think is important, so we want to try it, and so we get all this energy, and we go after it for a short period of time, and then we find ourselves kind of drifting and waning and falling back into the old habits and the old patterns and the old routines, and we just can't muscle up enough energy and strength to follow through. We like the idea of doing something, I just wish I didn't have to do that to have done it, (laughs) right? I think that's how a lot of us are. Maybe that's not how you are, but that's how I am. It's how I find myself a lot of times. Like, I wanna do something, but I would rather have done it than have to do it in front of me. I think there's a lot of things that we, we probably need to work a little bit on in our perseverance in life. There are things that come naturally to us. They come easy to us, and we don't need to really work at those things. We don't need to persevere in those things because we can just kind of carry on because they're natural. They're they're strengths that we have, and so we, we carry on. But there are things in our lives that don't come naturally to us that are just as good, if not even better, for us to do that we need to work through the struggle at so that we can become better as Christ would have us become. So my question for us is, is are we persevering in our faith? Because this is what, what it all comes back to. We have to persevere and go back to this first word, add to your, make every effort to supplement your faith with, and there's these other characters, and then down here on the line is perseverance. Are we supplementing our faith? Are we making every effort to persevere in our faith? Well, let's define perseverance for ourselves this morning. Perseverance, steadfastness, as Peter is using it here in this passage, he's saying perseverance is constancy, it's a big word, constancy in our faith. Being constant in our faith. We are not swayed from our purpose. We're not being tossed about by the waves of what's going on around us. We're steadfast, we're persevering, we are constant in our purpose. And we're loyal to our faith even during the greatest trials and suffering. And I was thinking about that definition, which I think is a great definition. That's where we always go. We're loyal even during the greatest trials and suffering. But I want to amend it a little bit. I don't know that the author would do this, but I think in the time that we live, I think we need to amend that definition just a little bit to say, loyal even during the greatest trials and sufferings, loyal even during the greatest successes. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have a tendency when things are going hard, we want to come to Jesus and come to faith. When things are going well, we think we got it all covered, so I don't need God anymore. We need to be loyal and persevere in our faith even when things are going good in our life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 mentions this idea that I want to kind of give you a little bit more context and definition for how we're thinking about the idea of perseverance. It says, therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. So this is Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he's talking about how he talks about them when he's not with them. And he says, we ourselves speak proudly of you, church. We speak proudly of you when we're out talking about you to the other people because you persevere and your faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions. So they are, they are succeeding in what we would call perseverance. 
And so if that's how Paul talks about the church at Thessalonica, honestly, that's how I talk about you so many times when I'm outside of this place because we have such a wonderful, amazing group of people here at 6-8 Church. I talk about how well you're doing, and I get to brag about how you persevere in your faith in so many different ways. But I think, in fact, I know that persevering in our faith doesn't always come naturally. And one of the questions that came in when we were asking for, you know, virtues that we needed to talk about and qualities that we wanted to discuss, one of the questions that came in says, how do I deal with something that just doesn't seem to come to me naturally? You know, it seems like these are good concepts and good ideas, but it's just, it seems like they never just kind of fall into place. I'm always having to work at them. And the answer to that question is, that's exactly the point. They don't always come naturally to us. They don't always come in our nature because by our nature we are corrupt. Now let's go back to, don't get mad at me and start throwing stuff. Let's go back to what Peter said because this is St. Peter talking, not me. <laughs> I agree with him, but this is him talking, so you can get mad at him before you can get mad at me. So go punch him in the face and then you can come track me down. Peter says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So that's what we've been called to, his own glory and excellence. But let's keep going. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, through these promises, through this knowledge, we may become, you may become, I may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we start to place our belief in the promises, the precious and very great promises, we put our faith in Christ and accepting the work that he did for us on the cross, and now we spend our lives pursuing him and what he did for us, then we become partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So what that means is the attributes and qualities of the divine nature are things that are going to be counter to the corrupt nature that we're walking away from. And so we are going to have to exercise some effort, some work, some strain, and some, some uh, steadfastness and perseverance to become like Christ. That means we can't just you know, kind of show up at church on Sunday and call it good, that we have to in our day-to-day lives walk with God on a consistent basis. In Christ, we become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. That's why faith isn't just a prayer you pray one time and call it good. There is no get out of hell free card that you can, that you can take. Faith in Jesus Christ is something that you have to work out every single day. It's a daily pursuit of the God who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Are we pursuing Jesus or are we just hoping that we're good when all is said and done? See, we can't use our human nature or our corrupt behaviors to define and guide how we follow Christ. Because our human nature will always push us back towards the path of least resistance, right? It's always gonna push us back to the idea, well, you don't need to read a chapter, you can just read a section. You went to church on Sunday, you don't need to go to church next week. You, you prayed on, on, on Sunday, so you know, you're, you're good in terms of prayer throughout the week. You, know, you, you read the Bible when it was on the screen, so you don't need to read the Bible this week. You know, that's, that's what our corrupt behavior is going to push us toward, is towards those old corrupt beha- behaviors we need to push forward. 
and the new nature, the divine nature. We don't want to put Jesus off till the end of the day when we can't even get a whole chapter in. You know, there's that song. I have no idea who sung it because I don't know anything about who sings secular music <laughs> because that was not how I was raised. And so I'm trying to learn, but what the world needs now, who sang that song? Okay. I have no idea any of those names that you just said. <laughs> but how, how does that song go? What the world needs now is love, sweet love, which love is a good thing. I'll, I'll say that. Not as the world defines love, though. The world doesn't need any more of the world's love. The world needs more of God's love. And I'm not going to get into that because I could go down a whole bunny trail. But what I think the world needs now, along with love, are finishers. I have a nasty habit, I'm going to confess to you. I like new things, and I like starting new things. I have a real hard time finishing things all the way. I'm working to overcome this. I'm trying to become somebody who's better at finishing the projects that I start, not just starting the fun new projects and then get bored with it and move on. But the perfect example, and if you would like to come in and see my office after church, I will gladly escort you in there where you can see the perfect example that, of uh, my, my ineptness when it comes to being a finisher. Almost two years ago now, it was January, right after Christmas, a couple, not this last Christmas, but the Christmas before, I had a little bit of extra time in the, in the middle of the week. I had one free day, and I thought, you know what? My walls in my office are white. I'm kind of sick of this white. I am going to paint my office. And I grew up as the son of a painter. My dad, as well as being a pastor, painted houses, and so, you know, I spent a lot of time cutting in around this wall, and it took me most of the day to kind of prep my office and get this wall cut in and painted, but I said, well, this is where I sit, and so this is the wall I look at. I'm going to start with this wall, so at least I'm looking at a freshly painted wall. And so I got this wall painted, and then I started coming around to the side, and I have a door and three windows on this side of my office, and it was just going to be a nightmare and a headache of cutting in between this little one-inch gap that's between all of this trim. And I got to the end of my day and said, you know what? I'm going to do this tomorrow. <laughs> and like I said, that was a lot of yesterdays ago. We'll just say that. A lot of yesterdays ago, my office is still half-painted. What the world needs now, what I need now, is to become more of a finisher, and I think we as a whole probably resonate with that. I need to be a finisher. I need to spend more effort finishing the projects that I start than starting new projects. I need to be a finisher when it comes to my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I need to follow God a little bit differently than, than the others do. See, I don't need to follow God the way a lot do. A lot of us think that we're strong enough and we're independent and we can fight through this fight of life on our own. So I don't really need that much God in my life. I just, I just need him there at the end when I die so I get to the other side. But, you know, I, I'm a strong person. I'm a strong individual. I don't need the help of this God who exists outside of whatever. I can do this on myself. That's not what, that's not what we need. We need people who 
who say, you know what, I'm not strong, I'm weak. It's only in Christ that I become strong. My old corrupt nature is not strong enough to be righteous and holy because if it was, I wouldn't need Jesus to do anything on my behalf. I, I need God's strength to make me strong. You don't need to be independent. There's no use in being independent. What we need is, is to be dependent on Christ for everything and interdependent with the body of Christ for the things that we're walking through in this life. We need to depend on Christ and the work that he did for us for, for life and godliness, and we need to be interdependent among the body of Christ when it comes to walking this life and encouraging one another on this journey. You may not feel like you're weak, but there will come a time when you'll understand you aren't strong enough to do this on your own. Well, but you might be. Let's, let's, go back to, uh, let's go back to the verse here because I think I might have left out a section. Let's go back to verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the part I miss, verse 8b, unless you're awesome. If you're awesome, you know you don't need any of this stuff because, well, you're already awesome. So you're good enough as you are, just skip to the end of the book. I think I have a wrong translation or something. Anyone else have that in there? Okay. Make every effort to supplement your faith with perseverance. We need to be finishers. We need to be people who make the effort to follow Christ. Following Christ is never going to be given to us on a dish and say, here you go, here's all you need, and just, you know, just enjoy the rest of your life. It's going to be given to you, and you actually have to put the food in your mouth and eat it. We can have a wonderful meal laid out before us, but if we never actually eat and partake of the, of the gift that's been given to us, there's no use in actually sitting down at the table. None of us are so awesome that we don't need God's help to live this godly life. None of us are so awesome that we can go a week without following Christ and expect things to go perfectly well. It's going to take effort on our part. It's going to be work. Yes, it's a gift. It's a gift that we've been granted and given and we can partake of it, but it's going to require me to do something. It's a daily pursuit. See, Jesus is never supposed to have become something where you just add them to your life so you can sleep better at night. And I think that's what we've made Jesus to be is, so, well, you know what? I, I, just, I just always feel this little bit of unease or lack of peace, and so I think I'm just going to you know, pray that prayer and call it good so at least I can feel better about myself at night. Jesus was never meant to be an add-to. He's supposed to be a takeover. 
Someone we get to know every day. It's someone we pursue every day. And as we pursue him, we draw closer to him. As we pursue him, we get to know him. And as we get to know him, he becomes more and more of who we are. Our our lives are being influenced by the truth and not the lie. Our lives are being influenced by grace and not corruption. Our lives are being influenced by what God has for us, not what the world wants to draw out of us. He's a takeover God. He wants to take over our lives and transform our lives and redeem our lives into something that looks more like he died for it to look and less like the corruption that we're living and existing in. He doesn't want a small percentage. He wants the whole thing. Why? Isn't that kind of selfish? I can see why some would think that that's a selfish thing to do, that why would God, why, why is he so insecure that he needs all of my attention? Well, if that's the first question that comes to mind, then I don't think you have a really good understanding because what God wants to do in you and through you as a result of taking over your life is so much better than what we, are been, what we have been living in in the corruption of this world. And you can say that it's selfish for God to want to take over everything, but when you understand the benefits and the joy and all of the fruit that comes from being taken over by this God, then you understand that's a lot better than what I'm leaving behind. It's not, it's not selfish. It's grace. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this way. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this way, not in the Frank Sinatra way, we don't get to experience the joy of the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by doing it my way. That's not a theme we'll get to shout and celebrate at the end of our life and have succeeded in following Jesus Christ. We do it this way. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Not my way, this way. What way? The way that we've been talking about. These qualities are yours. If you are possessing these and increasing in them, this is how the way is richly provided. This is how we get all that Christ has to offer us when we do things his way. See, it's not selfish for God to want everything when the plan that he has for us is so much better than the plan that we're currently living. And when our lives are falling apart and we're struggling through the trials and the suffering of all the mistakes that we've made and all of the choices that we've made and all the things that have been done for us and all the situations we've had to endure and the things that we just don't understand, the things that don't make sense and the pile of mess that we're in when we don't understand it, that's the corruption of the world that we're living in and that's what Jesus died to save us out of. He doesn't have a selfish ulterior motive for you. He has a better plan. And the better plan is this way this way. And when we follow in this way, 
We won't be left on the outside begging for scraps. We'll be on the inside sitting at the table with the King of Kings, having this feast before us, sitting next to the saints who have gone ahead of us, enjoying the fruit of the kingdom of God. So the question we have to ask ourselves, the question I have to ask myself is, am I going to make every effort to supplement my faith with perseverance? Am I gonna be a finisher or just a beginner? Am I gonna start this walk with Jesus but when it gets too hard I'm gonna go back to my old ways or am I gonna finish the race that has been laid out before me? Am I, am I going to focus all of my efforts to finishing the race and crossing that finish line because what's on the other side of that finish line is worth following? What's on the other side of that finish line is, is the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am going to finish the race because I see the prize and the prize is Jesus Christ and his presence for all of eternity. Am I gonna be a finisher or am I gonna be a beginner? I was trying to think of some practical ways that I could help you do this. And I was going to give you three points and kind of boil it down to these three points and just kind of tell you, you know, if you go do one, two, three things, then you'll just have this, this perfect, perfect recipe. But I, I don't think we need three points. I think we just need one point. And I think if we all tried to do this one thing this week, we would find ourselves a lot closer to Christ at the end of the week than we were at the beginning of the week. How do I become a perseverer? How do I become someone who is steadfast? How do I become a finisher, not just a beginner? I think it's really simple. We just get to know Jesus more today than we did yesterday. It's, it's really not rocket science. It's, it's not like, well, you know what? Okay, so here's what I have to do. I have to go home and I have to put together this plan. I'm going to have to pray 17 minutes a day. I'm going to have to read my Bible for 17 verses a day. And if I use this number seven, then that means I've completed things perfectly because that's what people tell me. Seven is the number of completion and perfection. And so I'm going to, read, I'm going to do seven things seven times a day and it's going to be perfect. Just a little more today than yesterday a little more tomorrow than today. Well, I learned this about Jesus today. I'm going to go home and I'm going to focus on this about Jesus, okay? Jesus died to rescue me from the corruption of this world and to give me this new divine nature, and that divine nature looks like this. It looks like a life that puts these qualities into practice. Okay, so, so that's what I'm going to focus on today. Well, tomorrow I'm just, going to, I'm just going to focus on a little bit more. I'm going to go back. You can even just go back, and I bet you you could read this verse every single day and find something different and something new that helps you understand Jesus a little more today than you did yesterday. You could surround yourself with other brothers and sisters in Christ, other believers who are walking this journey with you, and they will teach you more about Jesus today than you knew yesterday. You could serve and you could give of yourself and as you're serving alongside others who know Christ, as you're giving of yourself in, in environments where you're actually having to give something, not just receive the joys of serving, you actually have to give something of your life. When you do that, then you will start to know Christ a little more today than you did yesterday. When you care for the widows and the orphans and the fatherless and the oppressed and you start to sacrifice things in your life so that they can have things that they deserve and they don't ever get in your life, you're gonna to start to know Christ a little bit more today than you did yesterday. It just, just takes a little bit more. What can I do today that I, 
didn't do yesterday? What can I learn about Christ today that I didn't know yesterday? What can I give that I didn't give yesterday? It's not rocket science. It's perseverance. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Make every effort to supplement your virtue with knowledge. Make every effort to supplement your knowledge with self-control. Make every effort to supplement your self-control with perseverance. Are we going to be finishers or just beginners? Let's stand together. The band is going to come back up. We're going to sing a song together. During the song, I invite you all, everyone is welcome to come forward and get the elements for communion. The bread and the juice will take communion together after the song. So please come forward during the song to get those elements. But before we do that, I just want to pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, as we gather here together, some of us here for the first time, some of us have been here for a long time. There are no doubt things that you've brought to our mind this morning that that reveal to us we've got some room for improvement. You've done that in my life, you've done that in my mind, you've brought things to my mind that I need to work on, that I need to put a little more effort in on to get to know you more this week. And because your spirit is alive and active and at work in this place, moving in our hearts, moving in our minds, moving in our soul, I know that you are doing that in each and every one of us. Father, I pray that in this time that we have this morning that you would show us what we need to do, that you would reveal to us that thing we need to work a little harder on, that way we need to get to know you just a little more today than we did yesterday. And Father, I pray that you not only show us what we need to do, but Father, I pray that through the power of your Spirit at work in us, that you would give us the power that we need to do that thing tomorrow. It'd be easy for us to feel good about ourselves at the end of this day, but Father, I pray that this affects our Monday. That we wouldn't stop with church being just a Sunday thing, but that our Monday would be changed by what you have taught us today. Not my words, but your words from your spirit working in our hearts. Father, change Monday morning for us. Change all of tomorrow for us. Change Tuesday for us. That we may become people who don't just begin something on Sunday and then leave it to dry on Monday, but that we become people who begin something on Sunday and we carry it out through the rest of the week, that our lives reflect more accurately the qualities and the fruit that needs to be produced from a life following Jesus Christ. And we know that you will do it for us if we allow you to do it in us and we make the effort to work it out. We know that it's there for our taking. Father, help us to partake of that this morning, become partakers of the divine nature, walking away from the corruption that is in this world because of our sinful desire and walk more and more towards the qualities and the fruit that you have for us. And I pray that we would just become more and more full of the place of good trees producing good fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.